Hey everyone, welcome back to Two Rivers to Bach Book Club. I'm your host, Andrew, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jash. Hi, hello there. Hello. We are covering The Wind Through the Keyhole by Stephen King. That is book 4.5 in the Dark Tower series. Just as a reminder, this book was written after the original series. It's a kind of a filler book in between book 4 and 5, hence it being 4.5. Uh, before we get into it, though, we did want to just mention something we didn't mention in the previous video covering the first part <coughs> of this book. Excuse me. Yeah, so in yeah. in part one of the Skin Man, there was a part where they describe what the monster looks like. And I, uh, after reviewing it, we didn't really go into much detail about that. So I just kind of wanted to talk about it real quick. So... Uh, it's described as having long jaws, taller than a man, scales instead of skin, a long tail dragging behind it, yellow eyes, slitted dark pupils that glowed, and it has a flat head, and the mouth uh, is filled with teeth longer than a man's hand and stubby legs. So yeah. pretty uh pretty terrifying. <laughs> yeah, pretty terrifying. It kind of just reminds me of it doesn't say it has horns or anything, but I'm kind of just picturing a like little demon without horns that's kind of like a mixture of like a crocodile. So it's like a demon croc. Yeah. Crocodile, something like that. Crocodile, I like yeah. it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that's really it of uh, the skin, man. Is like of what I wanted to get into is just talk like a briefly about the description. Yeah, no, we didn't get into it in the last part, so we just kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit. But now we are talking about, I guess, what you would consider the next part of this book, which is it's going to be a little confusing here. The, this part is called the wind through the keyhole. But it's also the title of the book, right? The Wind Through the Keyhole. Yep. So this is also the story that that Roland is telling to the young boy in the jail cell. And it's called The Wind Through the Keyhole. So we got like <laughs> three usages of the, the same name. But um, the, I'm just going to preface everything here with, with just something I want to talk about before we get into this next part. Is it, It's very unexpected, right? So it's in the same world as Roland. Kind of, like there's certain things that are in the same world, but it's a completely different story that just comes out of left field with different characters and everything. And I, I almost felt like this entire section was just a huge flex from Stephen yeah. King, where it's just like he can just spin up a story out of his ass. He literally named his characters Tim, Nell, Big Ross, bro, Big Kels. Big just, fucking kill. Yeah, just these stupid ass names just made them up and still made it like a super captivating story. Like the I like I loved this story. It was insane. Right? Um, like but yeah, you could have took the you could have just took this went through the keyhole story, took it out of this book and like put it on like a Stephen King short story and it would still like slap. Yeah. Yeah. It like, was it, it was really good. It doesn't need <laughs> this book at all but this book you know as the dark tower series has gone so thus far uh it's been pretty good so i, I was it was crazy and then 
Just like the went through the keyhole section of this book has like so like you said it's like within the realm so i th- i think it's they like say it as like a as like a uh what do you call kind of like how cinderella is like the once upon a time like snow white yeah, type thing and they exactly. they do this but so like in cinderella and like snow white once upon a time it's still like in our reality ish except you know yeah so it's still like within our reality that we could think of so this for this uh story is the same the same thing but in Roland's world but there's a lot of hints showing that this story actually happened uh probably maybe not like event for event like maybe everything didn't exactly happen the way it's told but there are a lot of clues that indicate that this is in fact based on a true story within the within midworld's time yes definitely it's definitely set in midworld uh, in midworld and you can see how it's a real story within it and then when we get to those to those parts that at least like i that i noticed that relate back to the main story i'll, I'll bring those up as we go along cool well, I'll get into it here, um, just recounting some of the main events of the story, but I just wanted to bring up that first part where I'm not trying to suck uh, Stephen King off as much as I'm sure he would enjoy that, um, but uh, <laughs> I just wanted to say it just felt like a huge flex. It's like he just takes this random story out of nowhere and, and just, it almost feels like he just made this story up as he went, it cra- and it was captivating. <laughs> <laughs> right it's crazy though right. i was like man that was good that was good i that was good i thought this story would be more about like i mean obviously we're gonna get back into the skin man in the next section but yeah i'll just i'll just get into this uh this story i almost just want to see more of tim i know right to be honest me too I want another story with him. i don't even care as much about the skin man now like yeah right kind of <laughs> like, see where like tim goes like you can make your own own series out of tim's life could just make another series. It's insane. Um, but, Maybe one day. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'll get into it here. So I'll just start kind of talking about the main points. Of course, Josh, as always, if you want to intervene, just just stop me whenever. Um, cool. Will do. So, yeah, like we talked about, if you've read this, which we assume you have read this if you're listening to this, but um, I'll just kind of go over, again, the main characters. You know, you have the boy, Tim, his mom, Nell, and then his dad's name is Big Ross. And then his, his friend's fucking name is Big Kels. And I'm pretty sure the teacher's name, who wears a veil, is named Smack. I think her name is Smack or something like that. I'll just call her the teacher if I'm getting that wrong. But there's also the teacher who wears a veil because her face is messed up from a disease. Um, but I'm just going to... Those are like the main characters. So it's it starts with Big Ross, again the dad, and his friend Big Kels... <laughs> Go, yeah. <laughs> go into the woods to cut ironwood. So ironwood is like a valuable resource for this small village town. It's called Tree, the village. Um, after they so, go... Yeah, go ahead. So they live in a town called Tree, <laughs> and they cut <laughs> ironwood. So and they cut ironwood. <laughs> is ironwood... So, okay, is it an actual tree, or is it like steel beams? Oh, man, I don't know. Isn't because it real? Isn't it trees? Isn't it like just strong material trees or whatever? It's like I always thought 
like it could be trees but then on the other hand there's like other things where i'm like what if because it what if it's just like uh like the fucking i'm like my brain is just not working it's like the ruins, like the ruins of like an old city and stuff, past and midworld. That's like very small, like smaller now, but still big enough to be considered like a forest. And all that's left is just buildings, and still, and like the steel beams of all the buildings are all that's left, just sticking out of the ground. But all the rest of the material is destroyed. Oh, okay. But they have an axe, so you can't really. Yeah, cut metal I would assume it. It have to be. Yeah, if they're cutting it with an axe, otherwise they're fucking uh, sawzalling that or something. Sawzall, let's go. Sawzall. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to senior year of uh, res carp, residential carpentry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I so use a sawzall at work. There you go. That's one of the most <laughs> fun tools. Okay, I'm gonna really? like move on here, but <laughs> yeah, you got it, you can. Um, but the sawzall sick. So they, they cut the ironwood, and uh, so Big Big Ross and Big Kelsey go out on an excursion to cut ironwood. That's the main source of income for everybody in this town, right? So only Big Kels comes back. Big Ross is supposedly dead, and Big Kels only has one word to say about this, and he says, dragon. Okay, so you get, you get introduced to dragons that they might be within this forest. They do talk a lot about the forest. I'm not going to go like super deep into it. Essentially the forest is really dangerous, right? And to go get ironwood, you have to be a grown man and have a partner or several partners. And you need to like know where you're going. Otherwise you could easily die. So the, the forest is basically just really dangerous. So big Kels comes home. Big Ross is dead. Obviously Tim and his mom are devastated. Um, they also don't have a lot of money, right? So the only real source of income in this town is ironwood, and they're not going to be able to pay their taxes. If you can't pay your taxes in this world, then you get kicked out of your house. So they have about eight weeks to get the money. Mm-hmm. So the story begins where you start to see, you know, Big Kel's kind of becoming the antagonist here, obviously. When he approaches Tim's mom, Nell, and is like, hey, do you want to get married now that Big Ross is dead? You know, there's a lot of backstory on there being a love triangle. There used to be a love triangle between Big Kels, Big Big. I'm just going to call him Ross and Kels. Yeah, uh, Ross, Kels, Ross, Kels. Yeah, Nell. <laughs> big boy. <laughs> um, he proposes, you know, I can sell my house, and then we can both live in your house, and that way you all can pay your taxes and I can pay mine. Um, she's kind of right. hesitant to, to do this because Kels is revealed to be kind of an angry drunk. So we're kind of, it's kind of, you know, a difficult situation. Um, Nell, the mom, talks to Tim, the boy, and is like, hey, how do you feel about this, me marrying Kels? We don't really have much of a choice. And Tim is like, I don't know if you should do that. He's kind of a piece of shit. Um, but, the, you know, she eventually agrees to do it anyway, yeah. and they get married. So I- so I got a, a few a few things to I want to discuss real quick. So when Big Kells shows up after the dragon and pr- and proposes to her after like the quick backstory of the love triangle, my my first react my first thought was yeah he fucking killed him. It was pretty obvious. Yeah he yeah de- definitely insinuated for sure. Definitely. Yeah so all right that's all I was ask if you if you caught that. No yeah so- <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah no, uh, it was pretty obvious. <laughs> but uh and then like the other part where like the mom's hesitant and she asked Tim uh 
what he thinks about it. Because, like, right now, she's trying to, like, she's in a tough spot. She's like, okay, we need money. If we don't get money, we're going to be living on the streets. Uh, Kells is giving me an opportunity to get money so that me and my boy can survive. But there's, like, two problems, or a couple of problems with this. For one, she doesn't love Kells, obviously. She loves Ross. Ross is dead. Uh, she loves, she's obviously going to love her son's safety and love her son more than Kells. And uh, Kells, you know, has the reputation of being angry, drunk, and, and all that. And, uh, and three is when Tim, Tim brings it up, he's like, when his mom's like, what would you feel if I got remarried to Kells? And uh, Tim's like, I thought when you marry, you marry forever no matter what. So it's like, because, uh, she married very old timey, uh, way of, way of looking at it. But it's like way, since she married Ross, even though he's dead, like, that's it. Like, you know, so it goes into more of their lore, I guess, or, or how, how they live. But I know it's like a story within a story. Within a story, so, but it also like if this story is was made in Midworld, then it reflects, uh, it reflects the values of Midworld held, and so it's an interesting story about uh, breaking like an oath like this, like a mar- a marriage oath to provide for your child, and it's like it's it's a tough circumstance and you can see that the mom is like trying to con- convince herself to do it. She already knows she's going to do it. She's just trying to find excuses to make the decision easier. But, and that's, that's what I got out of it. I don't know if uh, I looked in too deep or whatnot, but <laughs> what, what do you think about it? Yeah, I agree with a lot with what you said there. You, you definitely sympathize with Nell being a single mother and being like you said, in a really traditional setting where, you know, not only is Tim saying, oh, you married Ross, like, you shouldn't marry again, but also it's just, like, she can't really work. Um, there isn't really opportunities for women to get a job and pay for it themselves. They have to rely on a man. So it's, uh, it puts her in a really difficult situation, and I'm sure most people who, the two people who are listening to this, <laughs> yeah. or anybody who would read this story can definitely think of a time where, you know, a mom or a dad, whoever is put in situations like this that are really difficult. And they're, and like you said, she already knows she's going to have to do it in order to provide for Tim. She doesn't want Tim to be homeless. Um, but she knows it's going to be bad and he's going to probably be abusive. Right. So it's like, uh, yeah, it just, and it just gets worse. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, kids are more honest than, like, anyone else on this planet. So you have, like, an 11-year-old kid who's just like, I don't think it's a good idea. And the mom's like, oh, well, like, she knows it's not a good idea, but she's not given a choice. Yeah, she doesn't really have any other option. It's either marry this guy or be homeless. So. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But, um, yeah, do you have anything else? No, I was about to say you can, you can carry on. All right.
Right. So yeah, like we talked about, she still marries him anyway. Um, it does make a point within the story. Stephen King makes a point to say that almost none of the woodsmen show up. The other woodsmen in the town just showing that you know he's not well liked. <laughs> and then you know several of the bridesmaids look at Nell and they're sad for her. Um, so literally the wedding night, Kels hits her already. So night one, he, he hits her, and Tim actually hears it, um, and he hears Kels like telling her to shut up, and then he goes to Tim goes to sleep. So it's yeah, already so, beginning. <laughs> but yeah, go ahead. So this was, so this is when I got like, cause I okay, so at first I was like, oh, okay, Stephen King's writing this, and it's pretty tame. It's it's good. And then the the father dies, and I'm like, oh well, okay, that's pretty typical. Yeah, pretty like, pretty typical. Like, like, like yeah, story. like it's not too not too bad. And then it then it just out of nowhere gets to oh, I'm 11 year old. I hear my mom having sex with this guy, but I don't know what that means. Like I don't know what that is. I just hear a lot of rocking, and then a big, and then a big smack, and then you know. But it's like we know we know what's going on, and it's just like. I'm just like it makes us hate Kells even more. Like obviously, uh, and I'm just like, damn. Now I I don't know how he fucking does. I don't know how Stephen King does it, but he makes me care for like all these fucking characters that aren't real. <laughs> but then like it hits me in the feels, and I'm just like, God, Tim. I hope you fucking kill this prick. <laughs> I know, right? It, uh, yeah, we literally have only known Tim for like two seconds, and we're ready. Like, yo, Tim. I'm so sorry. Fuck this guy. Yeah, yeah. it it really really goes to show Stephen King really does have a good write. Like his writing talent is just insane. I guess there's yes. a reason why he's one of the best modern writers of yeah. all time. Well, and it's funny how you describe like, oh, this is pretty tame so far, and this is when it took the Stephen King turn. It's like, yeah. oh, here we go. Strap <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yourself I'm, in for the roller coaster, baby. <laughs> I'm I'm like this is just another traditional uh, uh, grim grim story, you know, yeah. the old timey stories, and out of nowhere, it's like, bitch. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. here we go with the child trauma. Yeah, the um, first checkbox has been checked for child trauma. Next, we need you know, gore. Per, per, yeah. per, first, we get we got the throbbing piston. Uh, we got <laughs> yep. we got a dead. We got family issues, and then we got traumatized child. Yep. So, I mean, all the check marks are being, you know, that's what Stephen King, yep, that's Stephen King, all right. He's got a checklist, and he uh, checks it twice, so. Damn. <laughs> Some cold storage. All right. <laughs> we can, we can continue. All right, <laughs> um, so... There's, there's a lot more, and I'm going to go through this fairly fast just to try to keep this episode short, but there is a lot of detail, more than what I'm going to describe about the, relate, the, the family dynamic, basically, and like what happens and the details. So, Josh, if you want to stop me and talk about any of that, just feel free to, but I'm going to go ahead and just uh, hit the main stuff. So, cool. um, again, yeah, he hits her on the wedding night, already being abusive, um, uh, there's another scene where Kels and Tim actually bring a large leather trunk out of Kels's house because, again, Kels is going to sell his house and they're all going to live in Nell's house and that way they can pay the taxes. Um, Kels clearly cares about this trunk a lot. In fact, to a degree, a Stephen King level of obsession, I would say, where he, like, strokes it and, <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> 
just is very weird with it, like almost sexual with it to a certain extent. Um, he sits on it every day, yes. every night while he smokes his pipe. Yes, and he talks to it, so clearly it, it matters a lot to him. I'm going to fast forward a little bit here, but yeah, if there's anything you want to mention, just let me know. But The tax collector comes to Tim's house eventually again. You know, we have to pay the tax man in order for us to not be homeless. So after giving the payment to the tax man, he actually pulls Tim onto his horse. This guy is really creepy, right? So he's described as having like the longest face ever or whatever. The way Stephen King voices him in the audiobook is kind of hilarious. Um, yeah, this, <laughs> this is where I'm, I'm going to stop you real yeah, yeah, quick. Yeah, go ahead. So, it's fairly obvious to anyone, I'd say. But, uh, so, this tax collector uh, is the dark man. Yes, right. Obviously. Yeah, yeah he's Ran- he's Randall Flagg. He's the tall man. And this is this is one of the first indicators. Like, the first time we were reading this, I'm like, there's similarities uh, at this point with the dark man and this tax collector like like the 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 long face like the way he's acting kind of creepy very uh very manipulative and very kind of like gamey to where he's like here's this key you do do these things while i watch for my entertainment like he's just kind of an asshole uh but uh like but you don't like think for real that this is like the dark man you think this is just Stephen King representing him, but then there's stuff down the line that confirms that I believe that this story is re- actually happened within this universe. But uh, you can continue on from there. But yeah. Yeah. he's the dark man, the tall man, Martin Broadcloak, Walter, Randall Flag, Randall fucking Flag, Randy, Randall fucking Randy. Alright, um, all right. so, yeah, he, uh, the tax man comes, he gets the money, it's a lot of money, it's almost all their money that they have to give to this tax man, um, and then Tim is pulled onto his horse, and then he has a private conversation with just Tim, and he gives Tim a magic key that can only be used once, but it can open anything, so he then tells Tim, hey, I'm gonna be camping in the scary forest, <laughs> Feel free to come visit me in the scary ass forest if you like. Yeah. Uh, another red red flag. Another red <laughs> flag. Um, gave him a key. Very yeah, I mean, obviously he's a bad person, but um, so he returns Tim to the family, to his family, and then after that, we have another abusive moment where Kells basically demands to know what the tax man said, and uh, Tim doesn't give a good enough answer, and he ends up hitting Tim's mom and hitting Tim, pretty bad. So the abuse is starting to like ratchet up, and it only gets worse. But um, the next scene is Tim using the key. So he goes to the leather trunk that Kel sits on all the time that he strokes, and he opens it with the magic key. So he finds his dad's lucky coin. He takes this, and then he leaves everything else in the trunk. And then after he finds this coin, he suspects that you know Kel's killed Big Ross, which has been insinuated this entire story that Big Ross probably, or uh, Big Kells killed Big Ross. So he's like, all right, I need to confirm for my sake that Kells killed Ross, my dad. So he's going to go to the tax man basically to confirm that. Now, the caveat being here that when he used the magic key, 
He was able to open the trunk, but he was not able to lock it because it is a one-use item. And of course, we know that Randall Flagg loves to play these games with people. So now, whenever Kels gets home and finds that his trunk has been opened, he's going to blame someone and probably, you know, be abusive. Yeah. Um, but then he goes and visits the, the tax man, the covenant man, <laughs> the tall man. <laughs> the tall man. And, and, okay, and then he gets really... Stephen King, he starts to get really messed up, but uh, the, the tax man pours water into, like, a basin, and he shows him a vision, and it's basically just Kels accusing his mom, Nell, of opening the trunk when, obviously, the mom didn't, and he just absolutely annihilates her. Like, he just beats her to the point of almost death, um, and Tim is just seeing this in real time, and he can't really do anything about it. So the covenant man is kind of just torturing him. Um, after this vision, they pour the water out of the basin, and then he sees his dad floating in the water. So it's yeah. confirmed that he's dead, and then the tax man confirms that Kels killed his dad. So, like, it's just the most right? <laughs> absolutely like <this> traumatizing <laughs> experience. Because, like, not only did he have to work up the courage to go super deep into this forest, yes. and it's already making the forest sound creepy. Like, even, like, the pony he's riding, or donkey, or whatever it was, uh, a mule, same thing, yeah. was just like, he's like, if I wasn't the one controlling or telling this mule or whatever where to go, they would have ran off already. And he's like, he's like whispering it to it. It's like, you'll be, you'll be safe. Just stick with me. And then he's, Tim's just like, Oh, I have no idea how I keep her safe. She'd probably die. I'm probably going to die. <laughs> so, but then, the, you know, working the courage to actually like get through that forest. Pretty, pretty remarkable for 11 year old, you know? Uh, so he, you know, gets to the tax man, the tax man's making him do all this weird shit. Uh, and he doesn't know why until he sees his, his, father because the tax man said that there was like the wise women or something said that only a, like a pure soul uh, would not be like eaten by the bugs or like, anything like that so he first has Tim pick up like go fetch water from the nasty uh, puddle with all the bugs eating each other and going ape shit yeah, and yeah. then and then he has him go to the second one and Tim's almost like, oh, I gotta get back to my mom, I gotta do this. And he's like, you do as I tell you, boy. You go over to that puddle. And so he goes over there and he sees his dad. And at that point, I'm just like, oh my god, Stephen King. What the fuck? But then, yeah. But it's... then, you know, his body, his eyes are open. He's not even eaten. His body's stayed intact due to the water uh, and, and nothing. Uh, uh, because his dad was so pure the bugs and stuff no one no one ate him which is great like honestly it's just kind of very interesting visual storytelling there as well uh as like it's it's like oh his dad's so pure what a good daddy that you know that that didn't happen like the bugs wouldn't eat him then on the other hand tim's 11 seeing his dead dad in, in a puddle or whatever yeah <laughs> and then on the other hand we got like some lore some magic or some maybe not magic but maybe like some sort of uh some sort of worldly like divine law of of purity 
and how the world reacts to it by by not like absolutely eating and destroying this body of a pure pure person yeah definitely and it makes you uh hate kels even more because it's like this oh, guy yeah. was a, obviously really his dad was obviously like a great person like yeah and then what what else did uh he gave the tax man gave uh did he give the stick to Tim, or like the metal rod? Yeah, that happens a little later, but in this scene, okay. he does give him his dad's axe, because the tax man actually found Big Ross's body when he was investigating the story of a dragon. He knew there probably wasn't a dragon in the area, but he wanted to go check it out, and then he found Big Ross's body, So and he found the axe. So he gives it to Tim, and obviously Tim is like, all right, I'm going to kill Kels with it. Yeah, I was pissed. <laughs> yeah. So, um, anything else before I kind of... Um, I guess we kind of got to the gist. I'm kind of having you just go ham with the story, because we've all read it, so we're just getting getting through it to discuss it. Yeah, definitely. Um, the next part is obviously he goes back to his house, um, and the teacher is there, the veiled teacher. His mom is blind now from the beating, so it just gets worse. Um... Tim and the teacher, they kind of stand watch to make sure Kels doesn't come back. He doesn't come back. And then Tim is, like, telling the other men in the town, like, hey, this guy almost killed my mom. Let's get him. And then the other men are like, yeah, let's get him. And they send out search parties, but they aren't able to find him, basically. And then... Yeah, I really, yeah, I really liked this part because normally, like, all this, the movies or whatever, it's like you'd see the kids going around saying some some wacko stuff and none of the adults believe him and in this case they're like you sure and he's like yes i saw him with my own eyes and here's the axe and then they're like all right cool let's round up let's and it like it continues the plot forward and it doesn't just stay still like well we don't believe him and then they got to find a way to believe it i'm like just so glad we didn't have to reuse that trope Amelia. seriously and i feel like it's also the first like win that uh, Tim has, because this entire series, Tim is just Tim and his mom are just absolutely getting L after L. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got being destroyed like constantly. So like uh, when he went to the other guys to be like, "Hey, we need to go find Kelsey, like kill him," and the other guys were like, "I was so hoping they would be like, yeah, let's do it," because he just needs like some kind of win. It's just if they told him no, we're not gonna look. I would have been like, man, this guy gets no, <laughs> nothing. So. Yeah, it's good to, because like, if Tim didn't at least get one win uh, every every now and again, then it would just get repetitive to where just the story would just get way too sad. And it's just like, yeah. come on. Like, at least now, now we get like that little boost of hope, because like, our hope, like, we just start getting sad and sad and sad, and then at the point with the tax man, it gets real sad. And then now, yeah. with the townspeople are like, yeah, we're gonna help you fuck Kells, and then they're just like, <laughs> let's go! So, let's go, town! Get that hope back. Let's go, council. Congress finally doing something, we're gonna find Kels. Dude, right? <laughs> we're gonna find Kels, and he's the only one who's gonna pay taxes. Then and then God. we're gonna immediately release him from prison. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't even arrest him. Yeah, no, they didn't even find him, but... Um, <laughs> 
So after that is, yeah, like you said, he finds the steel wand in the basin, and then he sees two more visions, right? He sees a vision of the Covenant Man, our favorite tax man, and a fairy, and then he sees a, a vision of his mother and Merlin. Um, and then he goes to the, the teacher who's watching over his mom. He's like, hey, I'm going to go into the forest and find a cure for my mom's sight based off these visions. And the teacher is like, do not listen to the tax man. He left that for you purposely to mess with you more. Like, do not go in the forest. Um, and he, you know, is like, nah, I'm still going to go in the forest. So the teacher gives him a lantern and then a gun. So yeah, let's go. So, like, uh, out of this scene when he talks to his mom who's been blind and then the teacher, uh, they both gave examples about how, like, the tax collector hasn't seemed to age at all right. uh, since even they were kids. So now, so that adds a bit of unworldliness to him. And then when uh, the, teach the teacher pulled out, she's like, I don't know why my brother carried this thing around and all this stuff she, I don't even know how to use it really and she gives Tim a, a pistol and I'm just like hell yeah I'm like, I'm like is this an origin story of the first gunslinger yeah that's that's exactly what I thought this was turning into when he when she gave him the gun I was like there's got to be a time where he's going to be called a gunslinger which it happens later but yeah yeah so like I thought so. I I honestly thought this was just like a myth legend story about the first gunslinger. Yeah. But it's obviously not. So yeah. he's not the first gunslinger. Gunslingers already exist. It's still a fun story. Hmm. Um. So yeah, he gets the gun, gets the lantern. He goes down the Ironwood Trail, which is you know where they go to get the Ironwood. Because <laughs> it's called I mean, the, it's called the Ironwood Trail. <laughs> I need a. Uh, You'd, you'd, yeah. Yeah. If you, uh, <laughs> hopefully you could interpret that. Um, so he's on oh the trail, God. and then the fairy from his vision appears, um, and she leads him into the great swamp. I think it's called Fang. It kind of sounds like Fangar from uh, Lord of the Rings. So there's a big forest in Lord of the Rings called Fangar or whatever, and it kind of sounds similar. So I don't know if Lord, like Stephen King did that intentionally, but. Um, he leaves. Has, has he even read Lord of the Rings? I mean, Stephen I assume King. he probably has, yeah. I would assume so. I mean, that would be weird if he hadn't, right? I don't know. I'd have to right? fact check I feel that. Like, I feel like every big author, like fantasy type author, has had to have read yeah, Lord of the Yeah, it's like That's the OG important. series. But. I mean, shit, I've read it. Yes, sir. Um, but yeah, he goes, he goes deeper into the swamp because the fairy's leading him in there, and then the fairy ditches him randomly, of course, and then Tim finds himself on the top of an actual dragon's head. So previously, yep. the ta and this is kind of interesting because the tax man was like, there's no dragons in this area, that doesn't exist. And then he has the fairy lead him to a dragon, and then, you know, there's some description of the dragon like shooting a little bit of fire and stuff but tim is actually able to just get it to calm down basically by talking to it so i i didn't think we would actually see a dragon in this in this story. yeah me me either um yeah uh the whole scene of like of uh tim getting guided by the fairy through the swamp and nearly getting eaten or nearly dying uh all this it sort of reminds me of Peter Pan and yeah. how he like 
like him, like the fairy in this story just kind of took kids from uh, from their homes and stuff and just brought them to Neverland. And it's just, uh, I, I, I don't know much about like the real or like the original story, but it just kind of gave me that that vibe of just like a trickster leading people into uh, another world that might not necessarily be the best for them. But I guess like the only difference I would think is that Peter Pan is just kind of like a brat. And then this pixie or whatever fairy is just trying to lead, uh, lead him to the, to lead him to his death for the amusement of the dark one. Right. Exactly. I didn't even think about the Peter Pan comparison, but that definitely checks. Like that makes sense. Especially in the context of like this being like a Cinderella type story, right? Like a, a once upon a time. Yeah, if it's if it it's written as like a grim fairy tale, yeah. uh, except it probably has a lot, lot happier ending than most of them. True, actually, yeah, good point. <laughs> <laughs> it actually ends up being fairly okay. So yeah, <laughs> which even normal Stephen King books doesn't normally end like that. But yeah, yeah. how how did you like the at this at, so like at at this point in the story, how did you how do you like the the world building? ask of it because you know i'll just end, end the question there how do you kind of like the world building with like the swamp the forest the town yeah everything? no i i liked it again i felt like it was just a huge flex because i was just like man um there's obviously like cliches within this story that we have discussed already but i, I liked the world as it was built i mean it's a pretty standard like fantasy world i feel like for the most part it's not anything like crazy. The, really, what's the interesting part about this story is like the relationship with Kels and Nell, and like what he has to do to like help his mother and stuff. But um, what did you think of it? Well, it's like uh, as of as of so far, it's like the world building of of Midworld. Uh, at least, oh, well, you're like, talking about Midworld in, in general. In this story, oh, okay. Well, well, because like I see this this book like i said as like an actual event that happened in midworld because eventually they do get on like the beam of the the tiger and the bird so it's like this is like a a, a place in midworld uh, allegedly so like how how i kind of see it as uh, as a story within midworld it's very it's very uh more diverse than I originally thought it was going to be. It's as dark as I would have hoped, or as I would have known. I knew Stephen King and his writings would get kind of dark, but I wasn't expected to be like thrown in like a swamp for one. That that kind of took me off off guard. Like I expected the forest as it started, uh, but I think it's pretty good. But like like you said, as like basic fantasy kind of areas go it's not like super out of out of this world unique but it's it feels like it's just super unique just because to me at least because Stephen King is writing it like it's not just some normal fantasy area it's just like it has Stephen King's very dark uh, sense of thought being put into it and it's very 
uncanny a little bit <laughs> sometimes. That is a good point. That is, I feel like it's a lot of fantasy writers. Well, like if we talk about Lord of the Rings as a comparison, like the forests and stuff are creepy and stuff, but they're not like that scary. But like, yeah, this forest and especially the swamp, the way he describes it, he really makes it scary and dark. Like how like how it would probably be in like real life if it was like a swamp like this existed. Like. Stephen King's version of a fantasy world is more realistic than than others, and it's terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> and, definitely. And uh, I, I think that's like kind of because Stephen King always writes more in like more reality based stories. Yes. So for him to like dabble into like ma- like magic like this and like fantasy type stuff, it's it's a uh, very refreshing from other fantasy authors. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. So, that was, I don't know if I even answered my own question, but there you go. Yeah, no. No, the swamp, going from the forest to the swamp was definitely jarring, like you said, too, because I don't think they really mentioned anything about the swamp, if I remember correctly, up to this point. He kind of just goes into the swamp, and then you're like, oh, because like the forest is obviously has a lot of dangers but the swamp is like it feels two or three times worse like it feels so much worse than the forest the way it's described yeah because it's like we're only talked about go to this part of the forest don't go any farther yes uh but tim already breaches that to go see the tax man so he pushes to the dark side of the forest and it's like oh so he was kind of like a borderline at the swamp when he met the tax collector so it's like uh so he just tim just keeps pushing and pushing further into darkness which is pretty interesting theme uh to think about is that through tim's whole adventure even like starting right right now it keeps just getting more grim and more dark as as someone's like personal life would go is like life's not all sunshine and rambo rainbows right but whenever like life's getting you down or is really hard or you just seem like you can't get out of something and it just keeps getting darker if you keep pushing through you you can only hit rock bottom like once once you hit the bottom all you can the only way to go is up and as we'll see once tim uh, finishes his adventure but we're like in getting into that like symbolism part of of his life is going dark is going down the rabbit hole and he's using his courage to fight through it by continuing to go down this path yeah he's going on the the hero's journey hero's journey amen brother <laughs> is that all thor <laughs> <laughs> something that's something alright that was my little rant I'll let you get through a lot of the uh, plot I know you're good yeah I'll but. try to I'll try to um, get through this here so uh, where were we yeah so he encounters a dragon survives a dragon attack and then these watchers come out they're described as muties which in Midworld are, like, the people who can't reproduce, and they're kind of like mutants. Like, they just look disgusting. Um, and these ones are described as, like, reptile-type weird people. 
So one of them tries to attack him, he shoots it in the head, and then they all, like, basically surround him, almost like a tribal thing, and they're, like, saying the ancient word for gunslinger. So at this point, he is... Hail. A gunslinger. Hey. Gunslinger. <laughs> so... from cake gunslinger. <laughs> they have That's a blabber, right. kind of. That's a <laughs> throwback. Throwback. <laughs> gunslinger. Oh, yes. Yeah, so they bring a boat, actually, for him. And he gets on the boat. They kind of have a palaver where they try to communicate with each other. Obviously, the swamp people like don't have like an amazing level of language. But um, after they take him on the boat, he you know asks them about Merlin, and then they bring him to another part of the swamp and then give him like a disc thing, and then they drop him off. I will just talk about a really disgusting scene where one of the swamp people had like a spider bust out of their yeah. chest crawl oh, on and then he like grabs it throws it away and then he reaches into his chest and like pulls the spider eggs out and just throws them away it was like, Dude, like one of the most disgusting things i've ever read <laughs> i was like why is that i was like you could have cut that out and it would have been fine like you didn't need to write that but i'm glad he did because i was truly disgusted but intrigued because in, in this scene, he's just, like, trying to talk to, you know, like, these primitive people. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, that happens. And I'm just, like, disgusted. It's, like, it's like that happens, like, early on in, in the thing. So, I think it, like, like Tim Tim's, you know, a little kid. And he's, like, oh, God, I'm going to die if they don't think I'm a gunslinger. They're, they might kill me or something. And so, like, Stephen King's using all this disgusting shit that they're doing. <laughs> To kind of reiter- reiterate that Tim might be in danger if he doesn't if he doesn't uh, think of something fast or yeah. you know if he's not clever yeah. enough. That turns out they could just read his mind the whole fucking time. Yeah. So that's why they're laughing a lot. But uh, and they're nice, I guess. But but we don't know that until like towards that towards the end where they know he's not a gunslinger. They give him all this stuff because they know they're gonna die. Uh, and it's just. Crazy. What, what did you overall think about these people? They're like, they could read his mind. They're nice. They're nice people, but yeah. they, they can't speak English or whatever they speak. Yeah. I like them, okay. even though they were disgusting. And it was another one of those like, small W's, you know, for him, because he's still taking a lot of L's. So I was, uh, I enjoyed it. And then, of course, you, you had to have that in there to, like, be like, oh, the gunslinger, you know. Hail gunslinger. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But um, yeah. So next, yeah, he gets dropped off by the swamp people. They give him a disc. He goes into the forest, and then he starts hearing a woman talking in the disc. Uh, the woman leads him out of the swamp into like a waterfall area. And you know when he's trying to cross, I think it's a bridge. There's we have an anime moment. Anime alert. Uh, <laughs> tentacles come out and. <laughs> tentacles come out and try to attack him and he is forced to jump through the waterfall so he jumps through the waterfall and then the woman in the disc is saying hey there's a stark blast coming you need to like figure out a way to protect yourself so he's in this completely new area there's a stark blast coming he encounters a tiger placed there by the tax man and it has two keys on its collar so it's in a cage, 
and he, you know, resolves to open the cage. There's some detail about him being afraid and everything like that, but obviously if you read that, you, you know that. But um, He gets the keys from the tiger. The tiger turns out to be fairly friendly. Um, and, yeah, just stop me if there's anything you want to talk about there because I, I, like, so, got some of the yeah, detail you, you, from this, but I didn't get all. Yeah, go ahead. Well, like, so the, so the, just, the just was he, the, the person, like, the woman in the... Uh, and the fucking rod thing he has. Yeah. It's it's interesting because it's like is this like a AI not like a live AI? Cuz it's definitely not like a person. Right. Uh but we think the whole through his whole adventure that it's just some uh that's just computer voice that just keeps coming on and off that that type of thing. But but then you get to the end because you think Tim's just like thinking it's a real magic th- thing talking to him when it's we know we know it's just like a robot or just like an automated voice right but then it gets to a point where it's like oh i can't tell you this or else i'll be shut down forever but i'll tell you anyway because you're my friend and like all of a sudden you're just like what wait wait a minute i thought you are you alive like what this whole time i thought you were just saying shit because you were a machine but that's weird and uh what do you think about that just interesting. Yeah, it kind of threw in like a little android spin there where it's like, yeah, is she alive? Is she not? And then, you know, you find out she probably is, but dies telling Tim vital information that she's not supposed to say. Right. Do androids dream of electric yeah, yeah, it made me think of that book. Uh, yeah, <laughs> if you've seen the Blade Runner movies, that's what we're referring to. <laughs> but, uh, are you an again, android or are you not? Are you an android? <laughs> I don't know if I'm a fucking android, man. I don't know. How how can you go through this whole journey and not learn anything? <laughs> like literally. Yeah, that book is it's it's a, it's worth a read. It's not as good as uh, I think the Dark Tower, but it's worth a read. Yeah, I'd say it's a classic. I'd yeah. I'd say read it's it at least it. once. Uh, so this is this is the thing. The other thing. The thing. Okay. So, so Randall Flack, the dark man, left these keys, uh, like all this stuff for um, for Tim. He's like, you'll get the keys around the tiger's neck unless you're too scared to. And, and he like signs it RL for Randall Flack. And then I can't remember the other two initials, but I know that there's other books with the dark man in it. So I'm wondering... If do you remember what those were? I was at work and I didn't get I didn't get a chance to jot it down. Yeah, I can't remember specifically, unfortunately. Yeah, maybe I'll I'll look it up before the the next video and maybe get yeah we describe it. Okay, yeah. but but that's when I knew that I was like, okay, this actually happened. But now I'm just thinking, when when it must have happened like a long time ago, but. How do all these names fit in? And so I'm just like, it's it's a lot to a lot to think about. But we get to know that like the dark man within this story, like later on, gives more detail about who he is. Once, uh, you know, once Tim gets the courage to open the cage with the tiger, uh, talk to it, you know, do all the eye drop stuff. You know, we don't need to go through every single little detail about what he does. But uh, Tiger's Merlin uh, goes through that whole scene 
And Merlin starts talking about, like, the Dark Man a little bit and how he's just, like, like, he's essential, so th- so they can't kill him, but they can punish him. And if we go back to, like, the first Dark Tower book, uh, when Roland finally catches up to him and it takes Roland on this trippy journey through, like, time and space and meaning and, like, all this all this stuff, and it's like, what exactly is the dark man and i can't i'm not going to talk about anything involving the other books that because i've read the stand but i haven't read the other books he's in and i don't want to spoil anything for andrew or if anyone listening who hasn't read those books but so far in the dark tower series it's like what exactly is we know he's like a supernatural-ish being who can transfer from body to body but what's his purpose you know, we already know he doesn't want them getting to the Dark Tower, but what's he specifically doing in this book uh, that's similar to what he's been doing throughout the other Dark Tower books and even some of the other books he's been in, which I will be going into detail in this video for the other books. So, Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, what is he? What is he? What's his purpose? Yeah, no, I mean, because go ahead, sir. Because so so far, the Dark Man is what I see as like pure chaos, right? Like fun, not fun chaos. Like just kind of like a dark, like obviously the Dark Man. So he's like just like the negative part of of your emotions or. Just like the the evil sinister sinister part that keeps you down, and what is life worth living if you can't conquer the dark side of you? You know, if there aren't if there aren't bad stuff going on, and everything's just neutral, then there's like, what are you what are you competing against? Not like reality. Reality, there's dark stuff that comes at you all the time that you got to overcome. So I kind of see the dark man as like the embodiment of of just bad stuff happening to people. Yeah. No, I, I definitely can echo that. I mean, I like how Merlin kind of says, you know, he's essential. Like, you have to have that contrast, right, between bad things that happen in your life and good things that happen in your life. And, yeah, he's kind of the embodiment of all the bad things and all the, like, sinister things that people do. But they, it has to exist unfortunately in the world for there to be yeah like you said good things because if we don't if there isn't any sinister things then there is no good things because that's how we compare them right you have to compare something to something else in order to identify what what it's in like what group it's in so you have to have both to kind of balance out everything yeah because like when, when we look at reality it's just there's positive and then there's negative uh, energy or thought or whatever you want to think of. So it's like you can't live without the Dark Man because he's a a part of reality. That's just how it is. Yeah. So, but yeah, you can continue going through the the plots. I just kind of wanted to mention. No, it's Randall Flag. It's a good point to always bring up the good old Randy. But. Randy. uh yeah, so Merlin's a yeah, Merlin's a tiger. He gives Tim a flask of like, yeah, the liquid to cure his mom's blindness. 
and then they make another Wizard of Oz reference. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <Right. laughs> Stephen King's just obsessed with that movie, I guess. And Merlin, <laughs> uh, you know, Tim is transported back to Tree using the blanket that they protected themselves from the Stark Blast as like a magic carpet. So he gets like a magic carpet ride. So it's like, it's a pretty, you know, pretty good ending so far. And then, you know, we have the final uh, showdown where, like, you know, we have to deal with Kels, obviously. Like, Kels still hasn't been dealt with. So when they go back to the house, Tim cures his mom's blindness. And Merlin actually told him to, like, give his mom his dad's axe. And the reason for that is when he goes into the other room to find the teacher dead... Kels comes up behind him and tries to, like, choke him out. And while he's choking him out, um, the mom comes up from behind and axes him in the back. But, yeah. I mean, Kels, obviously, is a piece of shit (laughs) in every way. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, like, strangling a child. And then on top of that, like, when Stephen King's describing, like, what he's thinking about or what he's talking about to the kid, he basically blames all the events that happened on Nell being attractive. Like, he's yeah. like, because Nell is like, has a nice body and stuff like that, that's the reason I did all this stuff. So I'm just like, okay, this guy's like the king of the incels. Right, um, <laughs> I was just about to, I was just about to fucking say Which that. is crazy. I don't know when this book was written, but I don't even know if the term incel was really coined back then, but this is absolutely like what Kels is, for sure. Yeah. It's it's that whole like, like, it's like I hate women. Cause yeah, women I hate women. Like me and, attitude. Yeah, they don't. And it's yeah. I'm a I'm a nice guy. I'm a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, I don't know why she doesn't like me. I'm a nice guy. Yeah, it's like, and like are blaming, you, blaming are women, you? blaming women just existing for all your problems. Like literally, they're just existing. They're not doing anything to you. Yeah, doesn't sound like a man to me. Yeah, so he's he's obviously a piece of shit, and finally he dies. Um, yeah, yeah, that's how the story basically they, ends. They live happily ever after. Yeah, and then there's this. Uh, God, this there's so much to talk about, and not enough time. Yeah, it's uh, it's a great. Uh, it's it's got a good mixture, like you said. It's kind of a grim fairy tale, kind of Cinderella, like Once Upon a Time. It's got to get a little bit of uh, Peter Pan, like you talked about. It's got Merlin. It's got a lot of blends of like different fantasy things, all yeah, in like well, like the most unexpected story. Like I thought this like went through the and it is obviously about Roland. Like we're gonna get back into the next part of the Skin Man after this, but it's like this has almost nothing to do with Roland. Like it's in the same okay. world, but yeah. See, that's why. I was I was thinking because you know we haven't read the rest of the Dark Tower series, so I don't know if this story is kind of like a foreshadowing to how Rollins will will end, or uh, so I was like trying to look for some comparisons that I could think of, and we know that so that the Dark Man Randall Flag is is Walter, who uh, was having adultery with his mom, yeah. So if we if we look at it from another angle uh we could see as young boy tim being influenced by the dark man when they first meet in the forest or second time they meet in the forest uh and and at horseback too i guess when he gave him the key so it's like the dark man is influencing tim's actions 
by giving him more information or giving him tools. And so far, like in the Dark Tower with Roland, uh, we've seen him influence Roland's actions by, you know, by using his mom, uh, by uh, talking bad about his dad in front of him, trying to get him to do things. Yeah, forcing him to sacrifice Jake. Yeah. Yeah. Like stuff like stuff like that. Uh the being being in the Emerald Castle and commanding them to not go to the Dark Tower. It's like yeah. and trying to kill them and and doing a bunch of stuff. So it's like how I'm seeing the Dark Man act in this story is I'm not going to say particularly parallel with Roland's, but there's a lot of similarities uh, that I think shouldn't be quite ignored. Uh, but probably don't need to focus on too too heavily. But we have also noticed that the friends, every friend Tim makes dies. <laughs> Everyone. Well, what a coincidence. Yeah, every friend yeah. Roland makes dies. Yeah, good point. There is a similar arc for sure. That, that is a good point. But at the but at the end, he saves his mom. Doesn't die. Yeah, he saves his uh, mom. Merlin, I guess Merlin, Merlin isn't doesn't dead die. Yet. So I don't know uh, if that's his friend, but two out of three. <laughs> two out of three. Uh, well, wait, no, no, the ratio two to two to three, because in all there was. Five. So two out of five. Yeah. <laughs> two out of five ain't bad. Hey, that's not but, bad for uh, Stephen King. Pretty good job, Tim. Yeah. All things considered. Would you, would you think of the use of magic in this story? Because magic is used as like, it's not very magical, as in like Lord of the Rings magic or Game of Thrones type magic. It's more like how you look at things. Yeah. It's very Stephen King way of using it, right? So, yeah. like you said, he's more realistic. A lot, of, a lot of his stories are very realistic, like are set in the real world. And uh, here, again, it's more realistic, and he uses magic kind of more sparingly, and he uses it to, yeah, more like you said, to kind of illustrate the world less to, like, control the world and, like, how it works. Because, like, yeah, like, in, like, Lord of the Rings and stuff, like, magic can control things and and wheel of time obviously magic is insanely powerful but yeah like in this uh he uses it a little bit more sparingly but it's very like steven in 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 theme with how he would use it so i like that part of it because it it kind of allows you to focus on other things within the story i think um yeah and it's sometimes magic can be a cop-out right like sometimes magic can can be a cop-out for for fantasy because magic is just so I don't even know it's so ambiguous right like it can be insanely powerful it can do pretty much anything I mean you can just be like it's you know you can just be like oh he can just cast an invisibility spell so it can very much be like a, a cop out but he doesn't use it that way so that yeah like like when Stephen King uses magic it like you said earlier it's, it's very sparingly and it's also I'm not gonna say it's realistic because no magic is realistic. But what are you talking he about? I can fire him, bro. <laughs> Doesn't <laughs> But like his descriptions, like the way he uses magic leans toward more 
uh, realism, which is his thing anyway, right? So, like, for instance, when they get to, like, the napkin, uh, they're like, oh, it's like a little napkin. And then you unfold it, and it becomes a blanket. And you, like, you know, it can become, like, a tablecloth. And it's like, well, that's, is that, wow, isn't that magical that this one thing, if you unfold it, it just can become something completely different. That's pretty magical. And then he just rides on it with a feather or some bullshit. <laughs> it's like, so it's like there is magic there, but there's yeah. also kind of like a deeper kind of layer to it that I feel like someone smarter could crack. But I'd had work today. I get up early. I can't think as good. We're just two <laughs> dudes, you know. Just two dudes. We're two but it's dudes. very, it is very uh, interesting the way he uses magic and. Yeah. And I, I kind of liked. I kind of liked that the at the end here, where, yeah, it's like the tablecloth unfolds, and then he gets a nice little magic carpet, right? Because it, it it's like a nice cap to like it being kind of a Cinderella once upon a time story. So I thought it was appropriate yeah. for like well, that. The that and like he already did the journey. Yeah. So like he already. So he went through all the dark, uh, all the dark evil spots or whatever he. You get to see him jump through the waterfall. You get to see him brush by some bushes that would give him a heart attack or seizure or something. Uh, and so, like, he he goes through his journey already. Uh, so when he gets to the end and he gets the answers he wants, you know, it's kind of like, like uh, in real life, right? Let's say, like, you're going on a personal journey. You conquered... Let's say you have a drinking problem, right? You go through all the dark stuff. You conquer drinking, all right? Uh, where are you going to go to next? You're not going to walk back into your drinking problem back to stage one, you know, after you conquered it, you know? This is a very vague explanation. So it's kind of like I see as like Tim went through, conquered his problem, and so the magic carpet ride just takes him straight home because... The journey has already been done. You know, yeah. he conquered it. Yeah. He, I agree. There's, he doesn't need to go back through all the swamp and stuff, so. So do you think Tim will grow up to be a gunslinger like Merlin thinks? Or do you think he'll grow up to be an axe man like his father? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I feel like he would probably become a gunslinger at this point. Like you said, we haven't read the rest of the series. I don't know if his story is going to tie into something that happens in the in the rest of the series. I think it'd be really cool if it does, but if this is just a standalone thing, that's cool too. You know, if this is just a standalone thing and it doesn't have anything to do with anything else in this series, that's fine too. Um, but but, uh, but yeah, I think he but, I think he'd become a gunslinger at this point, right? I don't think he yeah. just, I don't think he can be just a fucking lumberjack after this experience well like, like like i said i feel like uh i feel like tim is resembling roland and so at, at one point roland says something about tim's future uh, as an adult and he's like well that's a story for another time it's a completely other story and i think like that was alluding to yeah like him either being a gunslinger or just doing like anything but chopping wood but i think it also had to show like that roland uh 
Like, it was like a hint towards the end of the Dark Tower. Or like a foreshadowing that Stephen King was placing in here for people who either haven't finished the series or just like a good nostalgic nod to people who have read the series. Because like, you know, so like as if, if the Dark Tower like does get very meta, and what if like Merlin is Stephen King and Roland just like is Tim and shows up at the end to to do whatever because we still don't even know what the hell the Dark Tower is but what if he's like trying to save Jake or save his friends and he gets to the end of the Dark Tower end of his journey and and the wizard ends up being Stephen King and he like gives Roland something to go home and like save his friends but he like fights the Dark One or something i don't know i haven't read the book so this is all just <laughs> speculation so yeah. i'm probably uh, thinking into this way way too deep but it'll be really it cool is. to see if this ties in to other parts of the series or the end like you said yeah, yeah. i think i think it's all questions i have Did anything else really stick out with you no, nothing. Nothing else really. Just it was a it was a cool uh, story. I was very captivated by it. I like finished it pretty quickly, um, but I'm excited to get back to the Skin Man too and and Roland's ending to the, his arc in this book. Yeah, thanks for waiting a, another week for me to read this because I know you re- you finished it last week. <laughs> oh no, you're good. I just I wouldn't have done that if I didn't because uh, I know we talked about maybe reading ahead on this one. I wouldn't have done that uh, otherwise, but. It was it was cool, so it's all good. Yeah. But yeah, well, anything else before I take us out here? Uh, Stephen King, you're a master at writing. You're weird <laughs> as shit, and that's why I like you. Yeah, I can understand why some people don't get down with him, but uh, if you can get past some of the extremely dark parts of it, it is really good uh, writing. It's very oh, captivating. there is. One th- one more thing, yeah. I I did remember. So you know Stephen King used to like have like all the the bad alcoholism and like yeah, drugs and yeah. stuff, and that's so when he wrote, I know like when he said he wrote like The Shining, how that was like that book was like like a good therapeutic ish thing for him yeah. to like move move on and get all. Up. That's kind of what reminded me with like Nell and uh, Kel was. Uh, the mother and father from The Shining. Oh so, yeah. So Good I was point. I was wondering, wondering if uh, Stephen King just got like uh, influence from his own past, uh, like his his own past, and he's like putting that into these characters, and that's why it comes off as so real. Oh, and it almost is like, yeah, Kels is like his alcoholism and stuff, and then Kels obviously dies in the end. And, you know, yeah. him kind of getting over it. I could definitely see that, too. So, I was just, I mean, who knows? I'll never ask him that. It's way too personal. Yeah, we'll call him. <laughs> we'll call him up. Call him. Okay. Yo, Steven. What's up? I have a important question for you. I have a palaver. Can we have a palaver? Can we have a palaver? So back in 4.5 of, <laughs> of the Dark Tower page audiobook. All right, I don't care. We can end this. <laughs> I'm tired. 
All right. Well, to the one or two people who listen to this, <laughs> we appreciate you listening. Um, if you have any feedback for us, feel free to leave a comment or anything like that. Feel free to give us a like. That helps the channel a lot. And we'll see you next time with the ending of this book, which I believe is Skin Man Part 2. Yep. All right. Smell you later, Red. See ya.